Welcome to this Friday's Lunch and Learn. Uh, we'll be joined by Chris Lavoie from CanDelta to walk through a presentation, answer Q&A in the chat on the right, and then we'll be going to a face-to-face -face session where you can ask questions as well. There'll also be networking, which I will describe in a moment. Um, uh, Business of Cannabis, we highlight the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. Uh, we've been doing this since 2017 when it became clear in late February, early March that we would be not uh, convening in real life anymore. Uh, we shifted everything digitally. Uh, one of our first properties we launched was this Friday Lunch and Learn session. We've always viewed ourselves at Business of Cannabis as a way to convene the sector, uh, talk really in-depth about really important issues to the sector that may not have broad interest beyond uh, the people that are in and around the sector, but to us, this is our core audience and we love to do this. Um, Earlier this year, CanDelta became our official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis. This has led to a great series that we do on Mondays called Ask the Experts. Um, a lot of those questions that we've been asking the experts have actually been about cannabis retail. Uh, as well, CanDelta is publishing a series called So You Want to Open a Cannabis Retail Store, which is part of uh, what we're doing here today. Uh, they are at, Chris is going to correct me, but I think Article 5 of 10. This comes right at the midway point, so Chris can give a little overview of where they've been, where they're going. I think I've been finding them incredibly interesting, not only the reading of them, but actually being able to ask questions along the way of Chris and the CanDelta team. So here's the way uh, today is going to run from a quick overview. Uh, one, again, Chris will give a presentation. It'll be about 15, 20 minutes. We'll be able to take questions in the chat. That's on the right-hand side of your screen. Um, I will moderate that chat when Chris is done with this presentation. We'll do that for about 15, 20 minutes. Then uh, on the left-hand side of your screen, you will see it says sessions. We will open a session where you can welcome the camera into your, to your world. We'll all be in a smaller room together, sort of like a round table. We can ask uh, Chris questions there as well. Uh, when we go to the sessions, I will also open up the networking component, also on the left side to whomever wants to. In the networking session, you click into that and you will be, we call this sort of speed dating, but for business, you'll be matched up with a random person who also wants to network and you'll be matched up for four minutes and 20 seconds, um, which is a good amount of time to get to know people. Warning, you will get kicked out uh, at four minutes and 20 seconds. So there's a way to connect with people afterwards as well. It'll pop up on your screen to tell you how. Um, as mentioned, Chris uh, Lavoie is with CanDelta. Um, he uh, has deep knowledge of what's happening uh, in the cannabis retail space right now from a regulatory component, which is critically important as we have seen not only in Ontario, but in BC, Alberta, things change incredibly rapidly. So it is important to stay on top of it, which is why we wanted to have Chris in. Uh, Chris, I am going to stop talking. Uh, but one note, because someone asked in the questions already, uh, we are recording this uh, session and we will be putting it back on our website and I can follow up with an email to everybody who responded uh, or registered to get it out to them uh, for follow-up. So without further ado, I am going to go away for a period of time and enjoy Chris's presentation. Chris is going to present and then I will be back to help moderate questions at the end of this. Thank you all for being here, uh, including my mom. And uh, thank you, Chris Lavoie, for being here. Uh, and I will leave and hand it, hand it over to Chris. All right. Thanks so much, Jay. So just overview of CanDelta. We are a cannabis regulatory consulting firm based in Toronto. We help companies across the country, both at the federal and provincial level, um, launch their businesses, essentially. We're not just focusing on compliance. We're also focusing on essentially all aspects of your business to help you get up and running in a successful fashion. And just to quickly highlight some of the services that we had mentioned in case you had missed it. We specialize in federal license applications to Health Canada, provincial license applications for private retail stores across the country, 
And we also do other ancillary services like site inspections, new technology compliance review, and also um, we, we really enjoy doing cannabis training and education across the country as well. So this is where we left off before the technical difficulties kicked in. So um, we should all be up to date now. So just to highlight some of the companies um, and partners that we work with in the cannabis space, one thing that we absolutely love about the cannabis industry as a whole is how connected everybody is, how willing everyone is to support one another and to pay it forward. So that's that's reflected in this slide. We have a, a number of strong partners that we've formed. Obviously, the business of cannabis has been a tremendous partnership for us in terms of promoting uh, content that might be of use to cannabis businesses, um, which we're extremely excited about. But we also have a number of other partners that we're extremely excited to continue working with as well. And given that this uh, presentation is more so retail focused, we did just want to highlight some of the retail um, companies in Ontario that we've been supporting um, for the past number of months, some of which are already opened. And so we encourage you to check out the retail stores and then a variety of them will be opening up in the near future. And so it's been a tremendous um, honor for us and me in particular to be working so closely with these businesses, because as we mentioned, a lot of them are first time business owners. Um, that might not have experience um, in, in the previous context. So it's it's been amazing to work with them from the ground up and then eventually, you know, visit their store to be a customer, which has been a very gratifying for us. Okay, so let's get to the uh, the focus of today's presentation, which, as I mentioned, is this retail series that we've put together titled, So You Want to Open a Cannabis Retail Store. So this is being co-produced with the Business of Cannabis. It's a 10-part series that is intended to cover all the aspects of opening up a retail store. And the way that this is working is we started publishing one article a week on July 8th, which we're doing every Wednesday at 10 a.m. And so we've just published the, the fifth article this week and we're gonna continue publishing into September. And at the very end of the uh, publishing, we're gonna turn this 10 part series into a nice ebook that we're gonna let folks download for free, um, which we're really excited about. And so just to give you a quick sense of the, the motivation for this. so. Obviously, we've been supporting a lot of retail clients in this space, and we just kept getting a ton of questions for essentially every aspect you can imagine. And so, you know, we really started thinking about how we could share this information. And so uh, a partner at our firm and I had the idea of starting this retail series or sorry, a retail article, just one article on everything you needed to know to open up a series, which in hindsight was pretty foolish because to think that we could encapsulate everything that you need to know to open up a store in one article was um, was pretty outlandish. And so ultimately we started interviewing um, licensed retailers across the province and speaking with other partners who support businesses um, to gather as much information as we could. And ultimately we realized that we could really turn this into a powerful 10 part series where we've broken each article up chronologically in terms of what are the things that you should be thinking about when you want to open up a cannabis retail store. And so that's, that's what we've ultimately done. So I'm going to go through each of the articles, just to give you a, a 30,000 foot view of what these articles are gonna contain in case they might be of interest to you. And what's important to note is you might've already gotten into the, the phases of trying to open up your store. You might've already opened up a store, um, but I strongly recommend that you still check out this article series because um, there's a lot of information here that might apply to you, even though you might be deeper on than someone who's who hasn't even started the process. So just to quickly walk through some of the articles that you'll see in this article series, we really are starting from the very beginning so what are the questions that you should be asking yourself to get started um, to open up a retail store? How much money do you think you might need um, and where of those sources of funding could come from? We then move on into some more important logistics like setting up a banking account, getting financing and also registering your company, which there are several options for. Moving along, 
we're gonna we have an entire article dedicated to the um, complex and sometimes challenging and frustrating licensing process. This article is uh, specifically focuses on Ontario, but there's a lot of information there that translates across the country, which is great. Um, and then one of the most important articles of the entire series is finding a great location. So obviously location for any business is, is critical in terms of long-term success. And so we devoted an entire article to how you can find a great location. And we also have great insight on that into how you can secure a great lease agreement, um, which is obviously critical as well. Moving along, once you're in deeper stages of your development, you're going to start thinking about your brand, developing your store, construction or innovation, and how you're going to market your store. And so that's a very important article as well. Um, that's the article that we just published this previous Wednesday. And so just to forecast what articles you're going to see moving forward, um, next week we're going to be publishing our article on physical security, which um, is incredibly important both at the federal and provincial level in terms of regulations. You obviously need to have a secure store just to protect your product, but there are also legal reasons why you need to have a robust security system in place. And so we have an entire article dedicated to help you develop your security system for your store. Another critical aspect of your retail operation is, of course, insurance, right? You know, more so than just a normal retail store, you have cannabis products, which, you know, the government wants to make sure is protected. You're going to need to have certain uh, coverage to, to protect you. Um, so there's a lot of key considerations that you'll need to have with regards to insurance. And so we have an entire article dedicated to that. And then perhaps one of my favorite articles of the series is how you can become a great employer. So, you know, it's not just enough to assume that because you're opening up a cannabis store, so many people are going to want to work to work with you and they're going to, you're going to have an influx of applications. You really want to be careful in terms of who you're hiring and you want them to be champions for your brand. And so this article is as much about how you can hire and is also well you, how you can train your employees um, to be great brand ambassadors for you. So I'm really excited about that. And then the last two articles we have here are on, standard operating procedures. So this is essentially um, the blueprint and the guidelines for how you and your staff are going to you know, operate in all the different aspects of your retail store, um, which is fantastic. We're really excited about this article. And then to finish up, you're basically at the finish line. You're ready to open up your doors. How are you going to go about handling your sales operation as well as inventory management? And this, uh, after all these articles, you should have all the knowledge and confidence you need to convert your mindset from one day into day one in terms of being ready to pull the trigger and start getting um, into the process of opening up a store. So I'm just going to give you, as I mentioned, a 30,000 foot view of what each of the article contains, just to give you a taste of what you might learn in these articles and see if it might be relevant to you. So as I mentioned in the first article, we're really just trying to get you in the mindset of, of that it's absolutely possible to get started. And we talk about some of the people that you should consider working with, um, such as lawyers, um, consultants, and, and other retailers who have done what you're trying to do. Just speaking with as many people as you can to, to get the knowledge and confidence you need. A big part of the first article is talking about anticipated startup costs. So this is a question that we get all the time is, do I have enough money to open up a retail store? Is the AGCO or another governing body going to reject me because I don't have enough money? And so we interviewed dozens of retailers across the province to kind of get a good sense of how much money you might need. And so you can see here in this red circle here, it kind of has a summary of your anticipated startup cost. You can see that that's a pretty drastic difference between 250K and almost 1.5 million. And this largely reflects the difference in taste that you might have for your specific store. Some people might want to go extremely fancy with all the whistles and bells, while others might just want it to be a quick in and out um, and, and not so much focus on the interior design store. And so we've broken down this article 
into all the different components that's going to affect your startup costs. So for instance, in Ontario, there's $10,000 worth of mandatory licensing fees. So there's no way of getting around that. Obviously, real estate is going to be a major cost as well in terms of getting started up. And then construction renovation, that has a massive range, as you can see. And these are largely going to be influenced by the state of the place that you're taking over. So if you're taking over something that requires considerable modifications and renovation, that's obviously going to come with a higher price tag. But if you're moving into a rel relatively modern, recently updated space, then that's going to save you a lot of money and time, which is key. And so this whole article centers around the, the different components that are going to affect your startup cost. And we also offer up tips and tricks firsthand from people who have done exactly this on how you can, um, you know, spend your money efficiently on each of these aspects and also what order you should be spending money on to make sure that your capital is stretched as far as possible. Also in this article, we um, focus on your operational costs, um, such as you know, paying your employees and also your inventory ordering each week. And so we, we also forecast that so you can kind of get a sense of what your costs are going to be like in addition to some of these costs once you're actually up and running. So after the first article, you should have enough information to say, okay, you know what? I really want to open up a store. I now know what this might look like. I know who I should be you know, contacting to get advice from. I'm ready to, to pull the trigger. And at this point, um, that brings us to article two, which focuses on registering your company, opening up a bank account and securing financing if that's something that's needed for you. And so in this particular article, as I mentioned, we teach you about the different company structures such as sole proprietors, um, corporations and partnerships. We talk about the differences in liability, the advantages and disadvantages of, of, of each type of company structure, and then also how you can actually go about registering your company, which is, is important in terms of submitting a, a license application to the AGCO. Uh, a big part of this uh, article as well is how you can secure sufficient capital to finance your startup. So we learned in article one about how much money you're likely going to need and then in article two, we're teaching you about how you can scrounge up enough money. This is classic, um, you know, financing 101, essentially for any startup business, you know, bootstrapping as much as you can, and then, you know, getting as much money as you can from friends and family. And then once you've exhausted all resources, you could consider partnering up with someone so you can dilute your individual contributions financially. And then finally, if that's not sufficient, then you want to look um, to go to investors. Um, and so we've, uh, we actually were very fortunate to, to be able to interview, um, uh, Jeff from Tricone Financial, who's the VP there. And Tricone Financial is one of the leading um, financiers in um, across Canada for cannabis businesses. And so we were really fortunate to interview them who offered up a ton of great advice um, for this particular article. What are the things that they're looking for? So you can't just come to them and say, I'm opening up a cannabis retail store. Where's my money? You really need to show them that you're a serious business person. You have great uh, business plan in place and that you're actually somewhat into the licensing process. And so there's a lot of great information there in terms of how you can get additional funding to cover your startup costs as well as operational costs. And then finally, we were very fortunate to have interviewed um, Brian Lawson, who's the senior VP at Alterna Bank and Alterna Savings, which is one of the leading uh, banking solutions uh, across Canada for cannabis businesses. And so for this, we learned a lot about uh, some of the bank account options that you can get and, and in terms of covering all your business needs. So one thing that a lot of people know in the cannabis industry is that it's been quite difficult for people to set up banking accounts um, as a cannabis business. A lot of the major banks are really hesitant to sign on with a cannabis company due to the risk. They don't know if it's going to um, stay um, or you know if legalization is going to fluctuate where they'll, they'll have to shut down. So a lot of them are hesitant. 
more and more are becoming more comfortable working with cannabis businesses, but still not to the level that we'd like. So Alterna is definitely one that's uh, been a great champion for cannabis businesses. And so in this article, um, you'll learn about how you can open up a bank account, what services you can get um, with someone like Alterna and other banks. And so after this article, you, you know, you've registered your company, you have the, the financing available, or at least you know how to get the financing. And then you also got a bank account set up, which is great. So at this stage, you, you feel confident, you have everything you need, you got the banking, you got the financing, you know what you need to know and who to work with. Now it's actually time to navigate the, the licensing process. And so in this particular article, as I mentioned, we do primarily focus on Ontario, but it uh, definitely a lot of the information is, information is applicable to the other provinces as well that uh, allow private retail. So this is just to give you a, uh, a simplified overview of what the licensing process looks like in Ontario. And so uh, at the very beginning, you're going to apply for the retail operator license, the ROL it's known as. And so the ROL uh, essentially establishes your company as, um, as being able to open up a licensed cannabis retail store in Ontario. And so there's a number of important application components for this, um, such as you had to have registered your company, key individuals, as well as the company will need to submit uh, important tax documentation. You'll also need to give uh, a demonstration of sufficient funds. And so that's where the, the first article comes in, in handy in terms of having enough funds uh, to submit um, in, in, as part of your application. So the ROL focuses primarily on the, the company itself and the individuals. And so um, once you've uh, submitted the ROL, then you're able to submit um, the next key phase, which is known as the retail store authorization or the RSA. So importantly, you don't need to have received the retail operator license to have submitted your RSA. You just needed to have submitted the ROL and then you can go ahead and submit the RSA, which we strongly encourage. Um, so you can get into that licensing queue as quick as possible. So once you've, uh, you've submitted your ROL and you're, you're looking to submit the RSA, the two major requirements for the RSA is a master business license, which is tied to the physical address um, and the name of your company. And also you need to have um, found a location. So you can either own your location, which is rare, or more commonly, you'll have signed a lease agreement for a retail space and you'll need to submit that as part of your, your RSA. So the biggest challenge in submitting your RSA is actually finding a store and submitting uh, submitting your, your lease agreement for them. So that's that's a key point of this licensing page. So once you've submitted your RSA and your ROL, then you're going to play the waiting game, unfortunately. Um, and then eventually the AGCO will assign some caseworkers to your, your file um, and they'll touch base with you for key checkpoints. And so I just want to quickly highlight some of the major things that do happen um, once you've submitted all of your licensing um, timelines, one of which is you're going to need to undergo uh, several inspections before you're able to open up. And so um, several articles that are, are coming later in the series are all geared around helping you prepare for things like your inspection. So security needs to be installed um, for your one of your inspections. And so we have an entire article, as I mentioned, de dedicated to physical security, which will help you um, ace your inspection. Another key phase of the, um, the RSA licensing process, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is what's known as the public notice period. And so the AGCO has established an important mechanism for the communities to provide feedback on the candidacy of you opening up a retail store in a specific location. So this is highly important. And so what will happen is, is once you're deep into the RSA process, you're going to be allowed to post these public notice placards um, in French and English on the outside of your retail store. And this is going to notify the community that you're proposing to open up a cannabis retail store at a specific location. It has clear instructions for, for these residents to submit their feedback 
um, usually opposing your retail store. Um, and then you have five business days to respond to the AGCO uh, to address these comments. And if you do not adequately re respond and address these concerns, then the AGCO could reject your application outright, which is a final decision. And so that's a critical part of the RSA. It's not just about passing the test and getting on with it. You really want to take these considerations from the community seriously because you champion in this community. You want to help grow the local business and be a great player in that community. So it's important to not only um, you know, respond adequately and really take seriously these considerations, but also when you're looking to find a location, as you'll learn later in the, the series, you really want to situate your situate your retail store in a, uh, in a space that's not going to upset the local residents. You don't want to park yourself next to a major park in a highly residential area where it's unsafe to cross the street or where there's no parking available. You really want to be careful in terms of where you set up shop, and that'll go a long way to, uh, to, to having a, a great public notice period response. And then just to quickly finish up, um, once everything's all set up in your store, you'll undergo a final inspection. The AGCO is going to make sure that essentially your store is ready to uh, handle your cannabis products securely and also have your first customer in the store. At that point, then they'll slap this Ontario authorized um, logo on the other side of your store, and then your hard work um, will be all but finished and you'll be able to open up your store to customers. Now, I know that seemed uh, pretty simplified in this graphic, but as people who have gone through this will tell you, it's an extremely long and, and sometimes challenging process. And that's why we strongly encourage you to work with as many professionals and, as, and people who have done this as much as possible so you can get through this as quick and, and painlessly as possible. So moving right along, um, in the fourth article, it's all about location. It's one of the most important aspects of your entire pursuit of opening a cannabis retail store is where are you going to set up shop? And so this entire article is, de is devoted towards that. I already mentioned this all important public notice period where you're gonna have to respond to residents who might have objected to retail store. So that's a key thing. Obviously another major thing to consider is, is the um, presence of competitors in that nearby area. And so obviously you don't wanna set up shop next to six other retail stores. So situating yourself in an open area that's accessible to your target customer demographic is obviously critical. And so one graphic that we have in this, um, in, in this article, which was generated by one of my colleagues, Sean, um, it shows the, the position of all the licensed stores right now. And then depending on the shading, it shows the uh, population density for these areas. And so developing tools and leveraging tools such as this is a great way to find a location that might sit your, uh, suit your needs. Also, the AGCO has a really nice interactive map that's um, included in this article where it shows a map of all of Ontario and it will have a green symbol for licensed stores and it will have a gray symbol for stores that are undergoing the licensing process. So this is a great way to keep up with where stores are being situated. And then finally, you can also subscribe to get notifications from the AGCO when new retail store applications are undergoing what's known as the public notice period, which I already mentioned. Um, so that's a great way to get updated every single morning where a new store is opening. And so we definitely recommend doing that. And finally, just for this article, um, we were very fortunate to have interviewed Patrick Gordon, who's an associate at uh, Blake's Commercial Real Estate. And so what he was able to provide in this article, as you'll see, is a ton of, of great in insight in terms of what are the big challenges associated with finding a great retail space for a cannabis store. He talks about, uh, you know, what are some of the, the common, uncommon provisions that cannabis retail stores have to deal with that, say, a normal retail store wouldn't have to deal with, such as additional covenants, um, odors, ventilation, and access and security. And so there's a ton of great information there to help you navigate the, the search for a location, but, but also importantly, locking down favorable lease agreement conditions that protect you long-term. And so moving right along, so the fifth article that, as I mentioned, we just published this week 
is all about interior design and marketing. So I keep saying this about every aspect um, that it's one of the most important things and, and it feels like everything really is one of the most important things. And so for this article, it's all about how you can design your store, um, build your brand and build your marketing campaign so you can actually attract the, the customers that you, you, you want to, to target as your customer demographic. And so at this stage, you're already, you're already deep into the licensing process. You're getting ready to set up your shop. And now you're really thinking about um, how are you going to design your store to attract the customers that you want to. And so I just have uh, several examples of some of the stores that we've worked with, such as Body and Spirit, which is now open on 361 Young Street, as well as Insulata Canvas Market, which is going to be opening up on 1331 St. Clair Ave in Toronto. And so you can just uh, see a different sense of, of how they're approaching um, their design. Uh, Body and Spirit is very much about uh, attracting a certain customer base that is, um, you know, wants to have, um, you know, certain therapeutic effects. They really want to reap the benefits of cannabis um, from, a, you know, a health and wellness standpoint. And you can see some pictures from uh, Body and Spirit store, um, very catered to a, a relaxed environment where there's lots of space for customers to interact with sales agents to learn about their products, which is fantastic. Um, and you can see here it's complete with the, uh, the plexiglass shields for, for COVID restrictions, which is obviously critical uh, given today's climate. Insulata has the beautiful design here, um, you know, catering to a really healthy um, and, and, and wellness uh, in terms of the cannabis profile, which is fantastic. And so this whole article is designed to help you think about how you can attract your target customers, um, how you can, you know, what are some tips and tricks that uh, current retailers have offered up to help you design your store that's all featured in this article. So moving along to article number six, which will be published next Wednesday. So in terms of security, I mentioned that there's a lot of regulations and requirements regarding what level of security you need. So for instance, for retail stores in Ontario, you need to have your all of your entrances and exits covered from a surveillance standpoint. You need to be able to track the the, the, the transit of cannabis from outside to inside your store all the way into your storage area. So cannabis always needs to be monitored. You need to be able to with, uh, withhold at least 30 days of footage um, for all of your, your, your video recordings. And there are a variety of other security aspects that need to be included as well. And so that's obviously a, a key from the regulation standpoint, but also you wanna make sure that your store is protected. You know, cannabis stores more so than other stores might be more prone um, to potential theft and burglary because People are, you know, they obviously want to get in there and get access to your, your precious cannabis products and also the cash that might be sitting inside your store. So designing a store that's robust and also compliant is a key challenge for cannabis retailers. And because it is, you know, a relatively new type of retail store, not all security companies um, necessarily have that experience. And so it's important to consider working with security vendors who have particular expertise working with cannabis retail stores. And so one of our jobs when working with our clients is to help them design um, security plans that are obviously are going to lead to a robust security system that's going to make sure their store is safe. It's also going to be compliant both from a federal and provincial regulation standpoint, but it's also not going to break the bank, right? So you don't want to just overdress the store with things that they might need. And so this whole article is dedicated to helping you understand the importance um, from a regulation standpoint, how to make sure that your store is secure, and also how to stretch your money as far as possible to make sure um, that you're not uh, over exhausting your funds for your security system. So there's a delicate balance there that we help you achieve in this particular article. Um, moving right along. So another really important aspect of your retail store operation is insurance. And so that's why we've dedicated an entire article towards insurance. And so for this particular article, we were very fortunate to have interviewed um, Whitley, uh, someone from Whitley Insurance and also All Risks Insurance Broker Limited. 
And so they are experts in the cannabis retail space from the insurance standpoint. And so in this particular article, you're going to be learning about the importance of getting coverage for your store, which as you can imagine is critical, what you're going to need to get coverage for, and also tips for getting the best coverage to protect your store. So for instance, you're going to learn things that that might be um, common in other retail stores, such as slips and falls being the most common claim made, um, which really reinforces the need to have strong standard operating procedures to make sure that your store is always in such a condition that's going to minimize these things. It also ties nicely into security. So you want to make sure everything is covered from a surveillance standpoint in case there was ever a claim made against you. Um, and also one thing you'll learn about in the, uh, in the insurance article is the importance of a business plan. So this also ties all the way back into the first couple of articles. And so not all insurance companies are willing to take on cannabis businesses, just like major banks aren't. And so it's important when you're going to secure your coverage with an insurer that you have a robust business plan in place to show them that you understand the regulations, you understand what all goes into opening up a cannabis retail store, you have a robust security system in place. And so that's why this entire article series as a whole will really give you a lot of powerful information that you can use in instances like you are going to an insurance broker to get your important coverage. So yeah, as I mentioned, one of my favorite articles of this entire series is number eight, um, which will be published in a few weeks. And this article is all about how you can become a great employer, which is obviously critical in, for any business and obviously is true as well for cannabis retail stores. So the early part of this article focuses on the provincial requirements uh, for hiring and training staff. So, um, you know, obviously your staff need to be 19 years old, at least in Ontario. But there are also other requirements as well for hiring. So they need to undergo criminal background checks. And although AGCO is not prescriptive in the sense that there are certain things that might pop up in a criminal background check that might be disqualifying, um, you nonetheless still have to have these criminal background checks conducted. So if the AGCO audits your store, which they will, and then they find out that you didn't, and that's really going to put you in a, in a bind with the AGCO, you also need to have every member of your retail store undergo what's known as can sell training, which was uh, developed with the province of Ontario and MAD Canada, which is a fantastic training program that everyone needs to have completed satisfactorily before they're able, able to undergo their first shift. So that's very important. And so for people who are might be looking to get a job at a retail store, I would strongly recommend that you get on your cancel training and your security background before you reach out to an employer, just to show how committed you are to, to getting with them. So that's just an aside uh, tip for people looking to get in. Uh, we also highlight uh, best practices for, for hiring and retaining top talent, right? You know, obviously there's a, there's a lot of people who might be interested in working in a cannabis retail store, but you want to incentivize the people who are really committed to being a great employer for your store. So this means, you know, favorable compensation packages. You want to show them that you're committed to grooming them, to developing them and, and understanding that they have aspirations for, for growing up the, uh, the chain within your store, whether that's becoming a manager one day themselves. So you really want to understand your employees and what their goals are. And also a big part of this article is we've uh, we've interviewed the Vitrina Group, um, which has been featured a lot on the business of cannabis. So they're an excellent uh, ambassador in the cannabis industry in terms of promoting um, people being great employers and training employees and whatnot. So they're a fantastic company to uh, to reach out to, and we are very lucky to have them contribute some great information in this particular article on how to develop you know your your employees essentially to be your brand ambassadors because they're on the front line. Um, dealing with your customers every single day. So how they treat your employees is going to go a long way to establishing your brand. Um, yeah, moving right along, uh, some of the not as important. So in Article 9, we cover standard operating procedures, which are, of course, the blueprint for you in terms of how you're going to conduct all of your activities. 
So I have some of the, the, the major uh, categories uh, featured on the bottom here, such as employee management, sales operation, physical security, regulatory reporting, and inventory. And so uh, a great set of SOPs will we'll have multiple SOPs for each of these different categories. So there's essentially not one aspect or activity that you need to conduct for your entire retail operation that doesn't have full-fledged procedures and documentation and forms that accompany those um, somewhere for all of your employees to have um, access to. And, and, and ideally, they would have read these and understood these SOPs and signed off on them before their first shift. So it's, uh, I can't stress enough how important it is to have SOPs. Um, the last thing you want is some emergency to happen, say a burglary or a fire or a power outage. And the manager, you know, there's the manager on staff isn't familiar with the SOPs or the employees on staff aren't familiar with the SOPs. So it's critical to, to have access to those. At CanDelta, we've produced a robust set of 55 SOPs for retail stores um, that cover essentially every aspect of this. And we also have them for, um, for some of the, the recent uh, curbside delivery and home pickup, which has obviously been compromised a little bit uh, as of late, but we nonetheless have a great working set of SOPs that we're very proud of um, to support businesses with um, across Canada, but also in Ontario. And then just to finish up, um, the article series. Uh, in the last article, you're, you're essentially you got everything done. You've, you've, you've worked hard. You're ready to, to rock and roll. And so in this article, we teach you about how to actually conduct your sales and inventory operations. So what is it actually going to look like when you're, you've opened your doors? How are you going to conduct your sales, um, both from a POS standpoint, but also having your, your sales agents on the floor? And from an inventory standpoint, um, we're going to give you tips and tricks for how you can pick the best inventory selection for your store. So depending on your location and your customer demographic, you're going to want to stock your store with a specific types of products that are catered to them specifically. But we also teach you to be flexible, um, which is a theme throughout this entire series, that just because you tried option A in the beginning and didn't work out well, doesn't mean you have to double and triple down on option A. You should be adaptable and, and, and really listen to your customers and then pivot um, so you can really strike that, that sweet spot in terms of what your customers are looking for. Um, so that's basically it for all the 10 articles. Um, so we just want to finish up this presentation with uh, probably the, the simplest but best um, uh, piece of advice that was offered up by Stephen Fry of Sessions Cannabis. Stephen is, is one of the foremost leading voices in the cannabis retail space and, uh, and across Ontario. And so we're very grateful that he offered up some, some advice in an interview with us. And so it, the, it speaks for itself. Buckle up. And so that's really what people need to know is it's not for the, uh, the faint of heart to get into opening up a cannabis retail store. It's uh, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of patience, but uh, nonetheless, it's absolutely achievable whether or not you have previous business experience or not. And this entire article series was devoted to giving you the information and confidence that you need, as I mentioned, to really break into this and feel like, you know what, I've always wanted to do this. This is something I'm passionate about. I really want to get into this space. I just don't know how. And so hopefully throughout this article series, you'll have learned everything that you need to know. You'll know the people that you might be able to reach out to, such as Candelta, such as Stephen Fry, who's always willing to offer up advice. And then you, you yourself can start to get the ball rolling um, to move forward. And so that's that's ultimately the goal of the series. Um, so just to finish up um, from the Candelta team, we want to thank you for tuning into this presentation. We're excited to continue the conversation. Uh, I just want to highlight uh, a few people from our team, um, Sean and Vanessa, who contributed mightily to this article series, and also Lucas for um, for empowering me to, to, to pull the trigger on this series and bring you such great content. And then, of course, we want to thank our host, Jay Rosenthal, who is a leading voice in the cannabis industry. It's fantastic every time you get to talk to Jay. He's 
He's just always a pleasure to deal with. And so we're very grateful that the business of cannabis has given us this platform today. And in with that, yeah, I'm excited to take questions and, and speak with you guys one-on-one -on -one afterwards. So thanks. Great. Chris, that was amazing. And, and along as you were talking in, uh, when you mentioned other people's names or uh, reference points, I did put them in the chat both for the event and for the stage so folks can find them there. Uh, Chris, we do have some questions that came in. If I could pose them to you uh, from whence they came for a few minutes and, and maybe they'll Absolutely. answer other ones as well. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that came in was, uh, thank you for the presentation. This is from Ada Demage. Why do banks consider cannabis retail businesses high risk? You mentioned that uh, as you mentioned Alterna. Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, obviously it's a it's a brand new sector, a legal sector of our economy, and so there's there wasn't a whole lot to go off with in terms of precedent for legally, you know, accessed cannabis companies running, especially from the retail side of things. So, for banks' consideration, they know that this is obviously something that's in huge demand is is likely to succeed but there's no data to go with, right? So when people who are making these high level decisions at banks, they're not familiar with cannabis companies, they're not appreciating the, the value potentially for cannabis businesses. So it's just a quick note for them in a lot of cases. Um, but as I mentioned, banks are increasingly becoming more comfortable with that idea because of all the success stories, right? So every time the cannabis businesses have been you know, hit with the challenge, they just knocked it out of the park. COVID has been a great example of that. So. While it has been a challenge and is still a challenge, I very much expect that to be largely mitigated in that coming year. I would just add on to that, similar with insurance, with, with new industries, yeah. overlay new with new business in emerging yes. sector, it, it just becomes uh, well more expensive on the insurance side, but also more fewer and fewer underwriters. Um, uh, one one uh, question came in from Miriam Hart, which did get answered in the chat, but I'd love to pose it to you, Chris. Um, would you suggest having my business plan in place before looking for financing? Yes, I would absolutely suggest having a business plan in place before looking for finance, um, not just because that's going to increase the likelihood of you getting it, but it's also going to help you have a better understanding of your business needs, right? You might think that you know everything that you might need going into it, but putting together a proper business plan is really going to help you be more prepared. It doesn't need to be a full-fledged, um, in-depth business plan, but really you want to highlight all the major things that you think you're going to need. You, you're going to want to understand the market. You're going to, and, and what's great is, is there's so much sales data right now. So the Ontario, Ontario Cannabis Store or the OCS has just published this recent uh, annual report, which has a tons of great data in there. So there's lots of good information. Um, BDS, uh, uh, BSDS, um, also a lot of other people publishing data. So you definitely want to understand as much as you can, put together some form of a business plan um, before submitting. And that's actually going to be required by a lot of people who might be interested in financing you. Yep. Um, and actually, a note from Dario uh, on your team uh, on this front, in addition to what Laura said, Laura mentioned you should have a business plan in place. Commercial landlords sometimes ask for a business plan to demonstrate the competency of your business model before signing a lease agreement. So really good yeah. insight from Dario as well, as always. Um, uh, another question about financing, and, I, and I'll put it here because uh, Maya Ginga, I don't want to pronounce that properly, but I'm not sure I can. Um, she gave me the yoga breathing technique earlier in the session as we were having technical difficulties. But what are the key challenges to getting access to capital, loans, investors, credit? What do financial institutions need to know to feel secure, especially if you've never owned your own business? Right. That's a great question. So um, definitely not having a lot of experience makes it more difficult and definitely gives you the perception that's going to be more difficult, but it's absolutely still possible. And Article 2 is actually great for that. So we have both Alterna and Tricone who offer up a lot of great advice, specifically that exact question that was just issued. But just to give you a quick summary, 
Um, you basically just need to show your commitment and your mastery understanding of what goes into opening up the store, right? So you can't just go to them and say, hey, look, I want to open up a canvas retail store. I heard it's popping off. You know, where's my money, right? Like you really need to be realistic. You need to have proven that you have an understanding of the licensing process. So in Ontario, you should have at least submitted an application for the ROL. Um, and if you've already established your ROL, um, then that would go a long way. Um, putting together a proper business plan, as I mentioned, as it doesn't have to be full-fledged, but really understanding what the anticipated costs are and what your potential market share um, of the Ontario market would be. Um, being realistic, obviously, is always important with investors. Um, so those are some of the key challenges. But demonstrating that you're, you're committed to, to understanding what you need to know, you have an understanding of, of the, uh, the costs and your potential revenue, and also working with people such as consultancies, lawyers, and other professional firms is going to go a long way to endearing you with investors because it just further adds um, the, the notion that you're, you're serious about this. Um, Chris, this is a good question because uh, there's some timing questions about all of these. Once you it came from Matt uh, Piotrowicz. Uh, once you submit your RSA application, approximately how long will it take to complete the entire process and be able to open the store, especially in the municipality of Toronto? So that's a great question. That's a question we probably get almost every single day um, for people interested. And so this answer has changed uh, a lot over the last number of months. And so if people aren't uh, familiar, the the open market uh, began in January where you're able to submit an unlimited amount of ROLs or there was an unlimited amount of ROLs that could be submitted. And then March 2nd was when the RSA floodgates opened essentially. And so now if you were to submit an RSA, um, it's going to probably take you anywhere between six to 10 months is what you're looking at start to finish. It'll largely be dictated on how fast you can get to that first inspection. So that's what I tell people. Um, the, the, once you pass that inspection, then they're going to go ahead and put you in the queue. So the everything you need to do in the beginning is to get geared to have your inspection. So that means you don't have to have all your interior design done um, and all the whistles and bells. You really just want the, the skeleton done. You want the security features in place so you can set up that inspection. So right now we're seeing six to 10 months. Just a quick note on that is that um, the AGCO has been telling people publicly that they're expected to increase their licensing rate. So they're currently under provincial orders to issue no more than five RSAs per month or 20, five RSAs per week or 20 a month. And that's largely to increase, which is a reflection of the OCS opening up um, several new warehouses, which is going to be able to increase their capacity to, to fulfill orders to provincial retail stores. So six to 10 months is what I'm telling people now. Um, but that's likely due to speed up in September once the, the licensing rate speeds up. Let's hope so. From your mouth, everybody's crossed. ears, Chris. Uh, a question came in from Jovan Boscovich. Uh, article number nine question. Is a change control required to discontinue an SOP? And what do regulations say about discontinuing an SOP in its entirety? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So the, uh, for provincial retail, at least, there's no specific requirements to show SOPs. Um, the, the AGCO might take a look at them um, and, and maybe take a, a photo or two of them, but there's no actual requirement to submit them as part of the application or as part of being an operation. Um, but they're obviously highly recommended for you to have. And so in terms of discontinuing, that's more of a, a management decision. So if you, uh, as Article 9 will teach you on the SOPs, a key thing is to continuously audit and assess the performance of the SMT SOPs. Are they in functioning as intended? Are your staff grasping them? Are they recommending changes? So as a part of the retail store manager and owner, you're going to be continuously looking to improve these SOPs, whether that means adding new SOPs, changing current SOPs, or actually getting rid of SOPs that you think um, just aren't needed. Fair enough. Um, 
this question is uh, a big one and, and affects uh, not only retailers in Ontario around the country, but the industry as a whole. But what challenges does continued supply? Oh, hold on. Does some, I lost the question. What challenges does continued supply and sales from non-legal market pose to a new store success? Yeah, so that's a, that's a fantastic question. It's very relevant. As the OCS report published in March or April showed, the, the illicit market in Ontario still has 81% share of the market, which was uh, pretty mind-blowing to most of us. So clearly they're still thriving. So in terms of what impact the, elite, the illicit market has on licensed retailers, it means that you're forced into more competitive strategies, whether that means lowering your price to try to be competitive with the, the illicit market, um, towing the line in terms of how you're marketing and advertising your store. Obviously, we want you to stay on the compliance standpoint, but because the illicit stores are operating without any rules, essentially, they can aggressively market and advertise their store. They can throw up posters wherever they want. Um, they can do a lot of different things, uh, or they are doing a lot of different things that licensed stores can't do. So it really forces you into you know almost unfair um, tactics that you don't want to be engaging in, but you feel compelled to do just so you can stay competitive. So that's why it's really important for the licensing rate in Ontario to speed up so we can get to that number of stores that we need to say that Alberta has where you can really curb the illicit market by having access to legal, legal stores throughout Ontario because right now it's not cutting it. Yeah. Uh, one quick question and then we'll go to the session part, which I'll describe we're going to do. Uh, came in, uh, I'm a cannabis QA student from the Seneca, from Seneca, interested in the retail market. Do you think there are career opportunities available for QA associates, I guess, in the retail side? Yeah, that's absolutely a, a great question. So QA, for those who, uh, who might not know, quality assurance. Um, yeah, no, no worries. And so th that's obviously a huge asset at the federal level for licensed producers. But um, for this particular question, is there a role for you in cannabis retail? And I would say absolutely yes, um, because as a QA, you have a knack for understanding the compliance and regulatory aspects. Um, and cannabis retail is very regulated, just like federally. So um, having that firsthand knowledge on how to keep a store compliant is a huge asset. And so, you know, you know, that would be a great uh, managerial role for you, even in a retail store um, to have that high level knowledge of the, the regulations. You would need to learn more of the provincial regulations, but I absolutely see a place for someone um, with a QA background. Well, I, I think I've made my way through at least the questions or many of them. Uh, and what I want to do now is a thank Chris. Because uh, I think the presentation was amazing. I've been reading the article series, and then we sort of talk about it on business of cannabis. So that's uh, been uh, enlightening for us. I also want to thank uh, our own, our our ongoing partners of business of cannabis, including Can Delta, BDSA, Cannabis Benchmarks, uh, Torque and Mains Law Firm, uh, Alcit, an IT managed service company, and um, I feel like I'm forgetting one, uh, which is never good. Um, but, but I want to thank Chris and the team at Candelta because they put a lot of thought into this and always willing to share, which is um, an important component in all of this. So thank you, Chris. For those that are on still and have questions for Chris, uh, we are going to move to, on your left-hand side, it says sessions. and about 30 seconds, that will open. And we will go there. You can turn on your mic and your camera. And you can ask questions face-to-face -face of Chris as well. Networking will open, which is also on the left-hand side, and you will go there and be connected to uh, other people who want to be connected in the sector. It's a nice time to do some face-to-face, -face, which we don't generally get to do in days of COVID, and hopefully again soon. But uh, through this technology, you are going to be married up serendipitously with one other person who also wants to be matched up. You can meet people, connect that way. And so both of those are open now. Uh, Chris, you and I are going to go over there now, 
Uh, and those that want to network can network. Those that want to be in the session can go to the session. We will keep those open for about a half an hour on both sides. And thank you all for being here. The program will end when it ends, but uh, this will be the last thing that I will say. Again, thank you. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. You can always follow things that we're doing at Business of Cannabis at businessofcannabis.ca. One last note, on August 27th, we have our networking and education event called uh, Cannabis Forward. We've partnered with an organization called Diversity Talk. Uh, we are putting on a program called Social Equity in Practice, an important conversation, of course. So please sign up for that. It'll be through this technology again, but it'll actually work. Uh, at the beginning, as opposed to today, where we needed, we tested everybody's patience and resiliency. So thanks, everybody. We will see you in the session or networking. Thanks. See you guys later.